like, hey, no, look in the mirror. <laughs> look in the mirror. Do you want to be that guy? <laughs> no. This Although his epic guy. is like a fucking. I feel like I'm in that that Stephen King movie, The Other Half, where the Ozempic is telling me to be Angry Jimmy again because Angry <laughs> Jimmy's coming out like crazy. This is Petey Page. I am Mike. J-Mac. Brutal Dudes. I, I've been super impressed by, by opening bands that I thought I wouldn't be. Um... The most notable that I can think of is well, that, that, I mean, Hoobastank would be the most notable because they opened for Incubus. I'd never heard of them until then. And then I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. And then uh, Candlebox opened for Aerosmith. They were fucking great live. Uh, Monster Magnet was so good <laughs> live. I know, but they were like, you know, I like Monster Magnet. They were Magnet. so good live. My dad for saw them and it must have been opening for Aerosmith. My dad went to an Aerosmith show and Monster Magnet was opening. And he had no idea who they were. He's like, he's like, is Monster Magnet a good band? I was like, yes. He's like, well, I like them. I was like, no. <laughs> he's like, he's like, they're opening. It was for Aerosmith. He's like, they're opening for Aerosmith. I'm like, that's a weird, weird choice. Yeah, it was at it was at Blockbuster Sony, and I was. It's actually this is ironic, but this it was my sister's first show. My little sister. Oh, okay. She my dad like, was there. I wasn't there. My dad would get. He was six, seven. Nice. I, I remember distinctly because she was still small enough for me to put her on my shoulders and it not bothered me the whole time. So my friend Bill and I were true because Bill's one of Bill's favorite bands is Aerosmith. It might, it might be his favorite band. I, I know it was down to like Foo Fighters and Aerosmith for a really long time. But Aerosmith, when we went to see them, uh, I, I would I would put her on my shoulders and he would be like, he was like my best friend at the time. So he was like, He's like, dude, yeah, like here, let me I'll take it. I'll take a round with your sister. And he just had my sister on his shoulders so she could see over everybody and she loved it. She still talks about it to this day that she was like she went to Aerosmith when she was really little. And then it was good because I kind of conditioned her into going to those shows. And now she's my constant metal companion. We go to Metallica together. We go to every time I die. We used to go to them every time they came around. Um but uh, Monster Magnet was one that was just really good. Even my dad was like, these guys are really good. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty impressed. Um, Death from Above 1979 opened for the Deftones and Incubus. And I was very impressed. And they're a two-piece. I was like, these guys are good, too. Um, who else really impressed me? There was a band that opened for Seven Dust one time called Presence. They were like a rap rock band. They were good, but they like weren't like great. But they were good enough for me to like buy the CD. And another band, I think it was called Forty Below Summer. They had some weird songs, but they were good. They just, I don't know. They never, they never took off. They never like made it. But um, yeah, they were okay. Um, yeah, I think that's it for like bands that really impressed me as openers. That I was like, oh, and uh, the Architects. Open for every time I die, and I was impressed by them too. But I was more having a good time because my friend Carrie that was with me was uh, shout out Carrie Jan. The uh, he was he used to work at Giant. He would the guy was British and he was screaming in the mic and it was like not great sound. But he was saying the names of the songs, but we couldn't hear what he was saying. So Carrie would make the names up to, to, for the songs. So I think one of the songs' name is like "The Devil Is Here," but it sounded like he said "The Devil Is Queer." 
So every time I hear the song, I replace those words, and it it's so much funnier than it's it should be. Song. It's such a better song. It's a great song. He's like, this song is called "The Devil Is Queer," and like I'm like, dude, that's fucking great. Every song. Carrie made up a name for it that was not the name that he said. It was I can't remember them all, but I remember him and me and my sister just literally pissing ourselves laughing because we were like, "This is fucking hilarious." My uh, my first my first concert was Weird Al Yankovic, and um, yeah, he had a hypnotist open for him because he wasn't like super duper well known. It was still a great time. It was I was just so that's like probably the weirdest opening act that I've ever seen, um, in a for a show. Um, the other, the one really sh- like, uh, there's an there. Uh, um, I went to go see, fuck, who did I go see? I think I went to go see August Burns Red, and uh, I wrestled a bear once, and then Bless the Fall was op- like I wrestled a bear once, opened the show. Bless the Fall was next, and then it was supposed to be Enter Shikari, and then August Burns Red. It was a sick bill. I love all of those bands. All those bands are fucking amazing. Um, Enter Shikari's tour bus broke down and they couldn't make it to the show. So Bless the Fall and I Wrestled a Bear once kind of did an extended set to kind of make up the difference in time. And uh, I just, I, I'm like, the problem that I don't, I wouldn't want to say it's the only chance because Enter Shikari is a British band um, and they tour the UK a ton, but they rarely come to the States and I just haven't had the opportunity to see them. Um, I don't know when they're going to be coming to the States next, but probably next time I'm going to try to make an effort to see them. Yeah, my, the worst opener I ever saw. Uh, was not who you think I'm going to say. It's a band called Dredge. D-R-E-D-G. No E. Dredge. Their stage setup was a, I can only describe it as mint chocolate chip ice cream painted living room. Interesting. It was a living room. And the band just plays in this stage set. It was like a fucking set for a high school play. Love a living room. And they just play in it. And I only remember the one song because my friend fucking Matt probably to this day can still sing the chorus of the one song. It was like, weird. And, I, and he sang like this too. This is how the guy sang. He was very whiny. He was like, it's a happy house with a happy family. And I don't remember the song and I don't, I did. I never looked them up again. I didn't listen to them because I was so dumbfounded by how much they sucked <laughs> that I was like, I don't want to ruin this image right. that I have of them being so bad. I think they were opening for Taproot. Do you like when bands do like elaborate stage sets and stuff like that? Uh, do you mean like incorporate them or do i just like elaborate stage sets both i because i feel like some of my favorite shows didn't have any of that like i just yeah sometimes there's been times when it's been really cool when they have so slipknot had a huge metal dragon that breathed fire I don't think it was necessary because, <laughs> but I mean, I'm not, I, 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 it was an amazing show. Right. But Slipknot is so good live. It was just the way you said that. Like, I don't yeah. think it was necessary. It was, because it, yeah. it here's the thing. What, they don't even have a song that's called like Dragon's right, Fire. Right. Or it anything. doesn't even match anything. It matches nothing. Like yeah. if anything, it should have been like, like if like Dio a, had a dragon breathing fire. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or like, or even like, even at Guns N' Roses. Like mm. that would have made sense to me. Like right. a dragon. You know what I mean? But like, I just, I didn't, I was like, this is, it was, it was the coolest metal dragon I've ever seen, right? <laughs> of all the fire breathing metal dragons. Of all the fire dragons. breathing metal dragons I've seen. The coolest. 
And with the song they were playing, he's, <laughs> that that metal dragon's listening. He's like, "Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you know, I really put my heart into that show. I really but, like those Slipknot guys. They uh, they hired me for like a summer. It was great. It was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it, but it was really good. And but I mean, Slipknot is so good. They don't need that. Yeah, to be that good, they were just that good. But did it add to the? Um, it was great. Like it was like, oh, feel that fucking that flame and shit. But like, I didn't need it. To, in order to to be there however at the family values tour the first family values which i also was at uh limp biscuit had like a cage where they had like fans in the cage and like above the stage like they were their fans in this like fucking fenced in cage and i don't know why it was so cool but it was it added so much they were again another band that's just so good live that people under underrate they were great live but that added to the ambiance um but the only giant, know, the only, uh, sorry, the only giant stage show I've ever seen is Rammstein, and there's right. just they just fucking tell a story. Like every song tells a story. They come out in different outfits every song. Um, everyone's doing something different. Every it's like it's it, that was fucking sick. Like it was a great, it was a great show. They put on a great show. The pyrotechnics were insane. It was amazing. But like if I'm and I, I love Rammstein. I mean, Rammstein could have just been in the back of a bar playing like their fucking hits, and I'd have been just as happy. Um, so I, I like it either way. I, I mean, I love theater. I've always been a theater person, and adding the theatrics to stuff is great. Um, some bands don't need it. Some bands just it it enhances it. And like I think, I think if it was if if it's not done well, you can tell. But like if it's cool and interesting, like when when like. I don't know when an artist comes out and does like a fucking performance for the Grammys. That's like, you know, like it doesn't, it's not like them, but it's, it's different. Cool. Like run with it. I love it. So when we saw Metallica the first time at the link, they had like a very elaborate stage show where like at one point there's these huge drums and all of the bands play the drums while Lars is playing the drums for, I think it's called now that we're dead is the song. But it's got like a huge, big, like it was like tribal drums, but it was like they were all playing at the same time. And for some reason, it was just really cool. And they did a bunch of stuff like each song had a different like video background and they had like like stage settings for each one. Like um, I think it was Injustice for All or For Whom the Bell Tolls. There was like pendulums that were swinging back and forth. Uh, when we went to see him most recently for 72 seasons, they had like beach balls come out of the top and during Seek and Destroy. And then James Hetfield got kicked in the head with the fucking beach ball and in the middle of the song, which was damn near one of the funniest things I've ever seen on stage in, in my life because he acted like it didn't even matter, like it didn't even affect him. But he literally got beaten in the face with a beach, giant beach ball. But I, and I mean, so if I think you're right, Pete. I think if it's done right, it can be really cool. Like Ozzy used to have a for um no more tears like a cartoon video that would play in the background while he was singing no more tears but mm -hmm. like and i'll be honest with you i wish i could go see ozzy again those were two of the best shows he was so fucking good live both times i saw him as ozzy in the first Ozfest i went to and then i went to the black sabbath reunion for um the second Ozfest, and it was great both times um but, like, I don't necessarily think, I think if you do it right, like, so going back to what I said about Ice Nine sucks my dick. I, I mean, I'm sorry, Ice Nine kills. I always get that name mixed up. Um, their stage set doesn't make sense. 
because I don't think they know what they want to do. I think a lot of it is just spectacle for spectacle's sake. And I think that if you're that lame as a band that you have to do just spectacles, it like one of the things that one of the things that I've always admired about Kiss, right? Is that they very much embrace the fact that they're not the most technically sound band in the history of the world. That is true. They're they're very they very <laughs> much have never said we are the best band ever. They are the best performing band ever. And I will I will not they do so much other shit and their songs are good enough where that other shit adds to it. Like they they have and they're a very as if I, if you ask me they're a very mediocre band but their stage presence and their show is just so much more that they don't need to be the best band. They can just go out there and like jam. Um, and that to me is, is good. I, like I'm, I'm for that. Like rush has specific songs where they'll have like a stage set up for their entire show and they'll go through it. And like, they'll do, they, what rush used to do is they used to do these comedy skits where they would dress up like fucking dwarves and stuff and make jokes and shit. And they, they would put it up on stage or they would have like people come out who are Rush fans and like do so like the South Park creators are Rush fans, so they did a, a, a animation for Rush where the kids from South Park are playing as Rush, and Cartman is like, "I'm Getty Lee. No one else could be Getty Lee. I'm Getty Lee," and they would and it's like they have Rush shirts on and like Paul Rudd is a very famous Paul Rudd and um, what's the guy that he always buddies around with Jason something Jason Siegel Jason Siegel they're both hardcore rush fans so they did videos for them to play during their their tours and i always thought that that was really really cool um to to get like people like that that are fans to come and do stuff with them um so i'm i'm for that the, this this the show itself being the, to be a part of the show but it's like i think that if the music is good enough you don't really need a lot of that you can kind of just play the music and everyone gets into it uh, and I think the measure of the band is like, can you do both? So, like, I would say the Foo Fighters probably at this point would, with with before Taylor Hawkins died, would have probably been like right up there with like they can do both. They can play a very basic show with not a lot of stage presence, or they can put a lot on stage and and it be like amazing. Um, Queen, my dad said, was always very visually uh, in, inclusive in their songs. Like, but Zeppelin was just very much come out on stage, play and go. Um, Queen had like a whole stage presence. Like he, he told, I think my dad told me it was the coolest, one of the coolest things he ever saw was when Freddie Mercury was doing Now I'm Here. They had somebody else dressed like Freddie Mercury on the other side of the stage, and the spotlight would hit him, and he'd be like, Now I'm here. Bam, bam. And then he would be like, switch to the other thing, and it would look like he just ran across the stage. And he didn't. He was just, it was just another guy dressed like Freddie Mercury. And I was like, That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's a cool illusion for the show. Everyone knows that Freddie Mercury can't tell her, teleport. Freddie, Freddie Murky, Freddie Mercury can't teleport, but but he, you know, it was cool. Um, I'm honestly yeah. surprised they didn't try to say he could in the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. All the other falsities that they yeah. made up about the, even though it, I still do love that movie. I thought it was a good, so movie. good, yeah. but like We Will Rock You did not come together like that. I'm what sorry, movie? guys. I hate to break this to everybody. That's not how the song came about. It's not any of it. No, like I'm not. I'm not a huge Queen fan, and when I even when I saw the movie, I was like, I don't think any of that's real. <laughs> are, we, are you talking about the one that's like had what's his face playing Freddie Mercury? Yeah, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, yeah. 
He was no, really like, pretty murky. My friends who were like real Queen fans oh, yeah. were like mad at that movie. They're like, really? dude, none of that is how, how that happened. But here's my thing with, with movies, movie interpretations. Like, how can you be mad? Like, it's almost the same thing as like when people get mad that Stephen King uh, movies don't follow the book exactly. Right. Do you understand that Stephen King writes 700 page fucking novels? And while they are good, and like uh, most of them are, some of them are great, most of them are good. I don't want to see 700 pages of fucking story on a, on a screen. Like there's no story that's that long that I want to see on a, on a screen for that long. The idea is to get the gist of the story. Right. right. So like Bohemian Rhapsody, like the story is about Freddie Mercury coming to terms with the fact that he's gay. That's clearly, that was clearly it. And the band coming to terms with Freddie Mercury, finding out who he is. That's really what the movie is about. That's the moral of the movie, the moral of the band's story. And not talking about racism or yeah right <laughs> but like but like that's that's the thing it's like it's it's like very much like yes did did fucking why can't i think of his name brian may did brian may make a guitar out of a fucking uh i don't know that was that the guy from led zeppelin he what? made a guitar out of a tree that was struck by lightning he fashioned it himself i feel like that's Led Zeppelin. that's that's that yeah. yeah um but oh no brian may was a fucking going to be a rocket scientist or something or a dentist i have no idea yeah no brian may brian may's thing was he was he was going to school to be like a dentist. i like queen i'm just gonna yeah so but but this is the thing like so if you're making a biopic about about a person you want to tap on the main things about what happened with this with this band you don't i don't need a chronological i don't need to know every time they took a shit in the morning right like i don't need to know that so like you have to come you have to condense and you have to make there a lot of things. A lot of a lot of what people criticize, especially book to movie interpretations, is the. It, I don't know what they're called. Pete, do you know what they're called? When you mix like six characters together to make one. Composite. Uh, composite. That's it. Yeah, that's what that's it is. It. A composite character. You're gonna have to do that in some of those movies. Like, I'm sure that that one guy that was the fucking the, the gay dude that Freddie Mercury was like in love with. I'm sure it wasn't just one guy. I'm sure it was a composite of all of his boyfriends from the time. Right. But like you needed a central boyfriend so that you can tell the story. So you could tell the story. And do I need to know the story behind every song that was written by Queen? Right. No. I can get the gist that they were in the studio like, and came across. The it's one just thing I like so about the late. Queen. Yeah. The what I like about the Queen movie is like the way it's portrayed and again i i understand all this and i had a real when the mayhem biopic came out i had a real discussion with one of the people portrayed in there who we decided to watch it on the not together but on the same day and then kind of call each other and see what we thought he was really really mad about a particular scene where it shows the guys from mayhem the guys from a couple other bands meeting at like a party he's like dude that never happened (laughs) like we never went to fucking parties we never like and i was like yeah but you probably all met at 15 different places at different times. Like they had to condense that. And so like, I understand this. It's not like, it's not like the longest yard where you have to see them recruit the players. what they do. Like we all know you're a fucking guitar player. We don't need to see you like shred certain notes that you did. So I was like, I under, I was like, I get, I get why you're mad. And I understand that this movie is 75% fake. And I was like, but I also understand why they made these choices because it streamlines the story they're trying to tell. But the Queen thing, what's funny about the movie to me is every single like major Queen hit, it's like one of them has an idea 
they write the song and it's on the radio the next day. The like next it's, day. it's like the same scene over and over yeah. again. It's so funny. Right? It's like, well, I had this idea for a song <laughs> and stop clapping your hands. <laughs> All right, now you stomp your feet. <laughs> now you sing We Will Rock You. <laughs> and the song's called We Will Rock You. And it's like, hey, that's a hit. And then it's a huge hit song yeah. and they're playing it live. What a great idea. <laughs> so I did think that was funny. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> I think what what might benefit move music biopics in general would be to be not necessarily go to movies, be like a bio streaming series where you can tell the full story of the band piece by piece. Um, I didn't see the Motley Crue one, The Dirt or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but I heard that that one's not super accurate either. But I mean, it is a one off. It's not a series. Yeah. But I think if you did a series on on like certain bands, like it would be cool to see. Like I would I would totally watch a Metallica. The Motley Crue series does a really weird thing, and I watched it. So I watched all three of these actually that we're talking about with my wife, and she was reluctant to watch the Mayhem one because she knew she thought I was going to get mad because I know these people. So I was like. And she was like, how accurate was it? And I was like, eh. <laughs> I was like, the bands are, are called those names. That's, that's, those are the guys' names. Yeah, they used everybody's name was correct. <laughs> I was like, I'll go with that. Spelling and pronunciation. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Those t-shirts look period accurate. <laughs> they were wearing shoes that were yeah. in the time. They definitely had shoes on in that show. I remember. Socks and shoes. Yeah, socks I mean, and I, shoes. I remember looking at that. They were like, fully wow. dressed. You couldn't see anybody's dicks. It was it wasn't dressed. like it yeah. wasn't like a Michael Jackson session yeah. where his dick just waves around. Yeah. It was everybody was fully clothed. Looking like a cookies and cream <laughs> fucking ice cream bar. But one of the one of the things so speaking of Molly Crew, one of the things that so I think was, say, speaking of Michael Jackson's dick. Speaking of Michael Jackson's dick. One of the things that I thought was really odd, there's a scene, and this apparently happened. This is one of the true things they were going to put in there, where um, one of the guys from Mayhem is mocking a guy from another band because he was wearing like a Motley Crue t-shirt or had a Motley Crue patch or something. Motley Crue wouldn't let them use that for the movie. Because they didn't think it would make them look cool enough that people would like make fun of them. And I'm like, what a fucking bunch of pussies. Yeah, <laughs> that sure. was, yeah. Like, wow, really? Jags. I mean, who didn't know Tommy Lee was a fucking chick bag anyway? So I forget what band they change into for the movie, but I thought that was weird. Like, that's such an odd thing. But the well, Mo- Primus. <laughs> yeah. The Molly Crew movie, though, I watched with her. And what's weird about it is, like, I'm not going to say it doesn't vilify them. Like, it shows Tommy Lee, like, domestically assaulting people and stuff. So, like, it's not a... It doesn't completely gloss over shit. Like, there's no blatant racism in the Queen movie, and that's a thing they're famous for. Like, they played whites-only shows, and it fucked their career. Really? Oh yeah, I didn't know that. That's that's why Live Aid was such a Live Aid was such a big deal for them. It's not because they broke it up. They never broke up. Queen's still together. Queen never broke up, which is a thing <laughs> in the movie yeah. that never happened. <laughs> Queen never broke up. The reason that that show was such a huge deal for them is they were basically shut. For music, for playing whites only shows. I didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a real thing that happened. You can look that up. Jesus. Um, Yeah. They went to South Africa and played whites only shows in South Africa. Like right, like right at. Oh, 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 well, yeah, because it's right in the middle of apartheid. So, like, that's gross. 
yeah other bands were like publicly like saying we won't go and play during apartheid and queen's like we will <laughs> well, Freddie needed points only Freddie needed, Freddie needed money. we will yeah. and we will rock you <laughs> yes yeah, so we song. will rock you if you're white <laughs> so he fucked them like bad and their career we like people are would, my champions yeah, my people friends. wouldn't like shows with them people like it really really hurt their we brain. don't like colored in the end we will but in the movie rock. they broke up <laughs> yeah we will rock you honkies <laughs> <laughs>